The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Got a very special guest here, Vince Kramer, a commercial airline pilot and military veteran with over 20,000 flying hours. He's flown for United Airlines and American Airlines and type-rated in the Airbus A319 and A320 aircraft and the Boeing 737. And he currently flies the Airbus A320 for United Airlines. Good afternoon, Captain. Well, good afternoon, Toby. Actually, I just retired. So oh. I'm a retired airline pilot now. What made you want to retire? Well, a couple things. Um, one, I, I've got two loves, two passions in my life. Uh, one, flying for sure. Yeah. And two, to you know, help people find themselves and, and live the life that they're meant to live. And with the opportunities that came up because of COVID and you know, the, the airlines cutting back on pilots initially, I, I thought it was a good opportunity for me to start following my second passion. Mm, absolutely. A lot of people have sort of found a new life over the last couple of years, haven't they? They certainly have. Yeah. So when you were a pilot, what was a typical day like? Was there a typical day? Well, uh, in a lot of ways, there's a typical days. In a lot of ways, there's not typical days yeah. when, it, when it comes to flying airplanes. Uh I'll tell you that um, as a commercial airline pilot, especially for a major airline, in many ways, you're almost an independent contractor. Mm. You never really see your bosses. You you mm. show up for work. You do your flight planning. You meet your crew. Each, uh, each flight, because of the way uh, United does business, the, the pilots are the same for a, a given trip. Say we're on a three-day trip. The pilots are the same. I fly with the same lady, the same guy during that trip. Mm. But the back of the airplane, just about every flight, we have a new crew. Mm. So it's like forming a new team every single time that you go out for a flight. So it's, it's uh, because of the standardization that's at the airlines for safety, for uh, the ability to, to shift from working with somebody new each and every flight, um, it's all the same. But then because there's different faces, different personalities, yeah. it's different. Why is it they change the crew like that? Well, I, I think mostly because of being able to manage an airline that's got, you know, 3,000 flights a day yeah. and making sure that everybody gets the rest time that they need and uh, different bases have uh, different launch times. So there's just so many moving parts that I think it's just easier to schedule the crews in a way that that benefits the crew members but also benefits the schedule yeah and when 
you were flying, were you sort of stationed at a particular airport or could you sort of be anywhere at any time? Well, it's uh, interesting. We it, It's all seniority based. So you mm. bid on the bases that you'd be flying out of. So the majority of my career I spent at the training center in Denver, Colorado. I I trained people um, for several years, then I evaluated in the simulators for several years, and then I held some management positions where I was in charge of the training and, and building the training programs. When I was out flying the line, I had several bases while I was at uh, United. I flew out of Houston, I flew out of Denver, I flew out of Chicago, I flew out of Los Angeles, so a, a little bit of everywhere. <laughs> and of course, we sort of all know about this pilot bag thing. What kind of things did you bring with you? Well, for, for me, because you know, I had that second passion, mm. um, of course, you, you've got your change of clothes. And for, for those people who are on reserve, you might be out on the road for six or seven days mm. and not, not make it home. So you're not sure that's going to happen. So, of course, you've got six or seven days of clothes available to you. But for me, because of the second passion, I carry my computer, I carried mm. an iPad, everything I could do to help develop my programs that we provide through uh, our company called Imagine Miracles. And uh, then I did podcast on the road. I have my own podcast show. Wow. And, and I carried a microphone <laughs> and I carried a headset so I could do podcasts while I was out on the road. Yeah. So being a podcaster, did that help with the announcements you had to make on the plane? I guess it did. I never <laughs> even thought about it that way. But, you know, initially when, when you become uh, an airline pilot, there's standard announcements that mm. they give you to just help you on that journey and then after a while you get to learn what people like what they want to hear um, what makes them feel most comfortable Um, I was really big in customer engagement I I think uh, a a pilot engaging with the customers is is extremely important so I spent a lot of time in first class with the first class passengers but learning how to share what they want to know in a way that they know that I've got everything under control, especially when the weather's bad or, yeah. or we're running late or even sometimes in the air, something happens to the airplane. Mm-hmm. They want to be comfortable and calm, but they want to know also. So uh, so sometimes I guess because I learned to ask the right questions and I learned to listen for what people wanted to hear. So I guess podcast did help me. Yeah. And I like those announcements at the start where they sort of give you the flight plan that we're like we'll be flying out over the Severn Estuary cruising at an altitude of whatever feet do you think it's quite important to give detailed things like that for some people it is mm. um, there's there's a lot of people that are in the back of the airplane that are quite afraid yeah. to fly more than you would actually believe. Uh, when I was working at the training center, I had an opportunity from time to time to bring people in who had a fear of flying and give them an opportunity to see what it was like in the airplane. But um, sometimes people like to know that there might be some turbulence along the way, or mm. we're going to be circumventing some thunderstorms, but we're going to stay mm. far enough away you're safe because you look out the window, especially you're flying at night and you see this lightning in these clouds and everybody thinks you're you're so much closer so every little bit of information that you can give those people that are scared and and really putting their lives in your hands especially 
in their minds, they're really putting their lives in your hands. Yeah. It, it helps them feel more comfortable. Yeah. And when we're experiencing turbulence, what actually is that? It's a, a change of wind direction or change of wind yeah. speed. That's pretty much <laughs> what it is. And, and the more severe the turbulence, it's the uh, sharper change in direction or a, char- a sharper change in, in wind speed. So, um, yes, turbulence can be extremely dangerous. But also, it's no more than that change of wind. Yeah. And I guess most of the time when you're experiencing it, it's nowhere near dangerous, right? It's just a little shake. Right. Yes. But, you know, the airplane can drop a foot and you feel like it's dropped a couple hundred feet. Yeah. Just that little, Mm. little bit because our bodies experience it. Um, in a way that we're not used to experiencing because we don't have the visual cues or we don't have the the audio cues of, of what's happening. So now our brain takes that jolt feeling and thinks, whoa, that was that was a, a big change in altitude where yeah. actually it's it's not that big a deal. Yeah. And I suppose when people are already scared of flying when nothing's happened yet, the slightest thing is going to set off their anxiety, right? For sure. And and I'll share with you, Toby, that most of the fear comes from not being in control, not yeah. necessarily what's happening, but not having any control over, not being able to change their situation themselves. Yeah. And as well, sometimes once you've just taken off, the engines wind back a bit. And that's to do with the fact that you're going more straight, so you don't need as much power, right? Well, uh, yes, a couple things. Um, one, the the most power you need in any flight is takeoff, yeah. for sure. Because you're that's when the airplane's the heaviest. Yeah. That's when you're trying to get up away from the ground. There might be some obstacles that you want to make sure that you're climbing over. Uh, but then also the engines are are rated to keep them their, let's say, their uh, life expectancy longer. Mm-hmm. They're rated for different power settings at different times in the flight. So once you're up away from the ground, you go into what's called a climb thrust. Yeah. And that's just the the thrust that one doesn't put nearly the tension on the engines that a takeoff thrust would put on it, but then also give you the ability to climb out at, at a given rate. Yeah. So what made you want to actually be a pilot originally? Oh, that's such a great story. Let me tell you, when I knew I wanted to be a pilot, why I didn't want to be a pilot (laughs) and then how I found my way back because I I think we're always being pulled towards our passions we're always being pulled for those things that that we're meant to do in life so when I was five six years old I used to lie on the grass and watch airplanes fly over and watch those contrails and and I just knew I wanted to be a pilot that's all I could think of uh, is being a pilot and uh, and then about seven years old, eight years old, I was a Cub Scout. And one of our den mothers took us out to the airport. (laughs) And we got this opportunity to four of us in each little airplane to climb in this airplane and go fly with a a local pilot. And uh, I can't remember for sure, you know, it's been a long time ago, but I think this, the guy that was flying the airplane that I was in was probably in his late 
late twenties, maybe mid twenties. So he was, he was out giving airplane rides to build his time. And so we, we took off, we went up flying and I would, I just loved it. It was great. I, I like seeing the houses get smaller. I like yeah. seeing the river snake down below. And, and then this guy did something that in my opinion, probably wasn't the smartest thing to do with seven and eight year olds, but mm. he pulled the nose of the airplane up and let this airspeed get slower. Well, you know, as an adult now, and as a, a pilot, I know all he was doing was letting the airplane run out of airspeed, which is called a stall. Mm. And then once the airplane stalled, it automatically tries to get the airspeed back so it can fly again. But here the nose is pointed up and it's getting quieter and quieter and quieter. And I was getting more scared, more scared, more scared. And, and it's, it got so quiet that I thought, oh, we don't have an engine anymore. Mm. And then the nose fell over because the airplane wanted to pick up airspeed. And now the nose is pointing towards the ground and it's starting to get louder and louder and louder again. And I thought for sure I was going to die. Yeah. And and that that's it was probably seven. I, I no longer wanted to be a pilot. That's it. I, I'm afraid of being up in the air. I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid of dying. And I let my dream go. Mm. And then uh, fast forward about 17 years, I joined the military to finish my education because my parents didn't have the money to, to help me go to, to college. Um, I had a couple injuries, so I couldn't play sports in college. So I joined the military to, to finish my education. Yeah. And I took the Air Force officer qualifying test. When I took the test, my pilot scores and navigator scores were off the charts. Wow. And it's like, everybody, if, if, well, if you're going to be an Air Force officer, if you want to finish your degree, then you want to fly airplanes, because that's what <laughs> it's all about in the Air Force. And I decided to give it a try. Yeah. And the first five or six flights were okay. I was inactively, what they call inactively sick. I felt like I was going to lose my, my lunch. But, <laughs> but after about five flights, I started to feel comfortable. Yeah. And by the time I was halfway through uh, the first section of Air Force pilot training, I, I was in love. <laughs> and, and now I, I remembered what that little boy who laid on the grass watching the airplanes fly over wanted to do. Yeah. When was the first time you sort of went from flying in the military to doing it for an airline? I guess there's there a whole other training process for that. No, every, every airplane you fly is a new training process. Mm. And then, of course, um, you, even just moving from company to company in the major airlines, there everybody's got their way of doing business. Yeah. And it's important to for every pilot to learn that way of business because you know, you climb in a seat with a guy you've never met before and go fly a three-day trip. Yeah, um, you, you need to know that you're on the same page. Uh, for me, um, I, I love the military. I, I, I love the camaraderie. I love the flying. I loved what you could do with airplanes. Uh, but 
I got to a point in my career where um, there was some things I didn't agree with the politics of, of the military world. Mm. But then I also knew that I was getting to the point in my military career that I wasn't going to be flying much. Yeah. And I had to make a decision. It, how how important is flying airplanes to me? How important is it to, to close that door and, and be in what I call my meditative world? Because mm. I, it's just a whole nother world in the cockpit for me. I, I have that much passion for flying. So I, I talked to my wife at the time and said, look, you know, I love the military. We're doing really well here. Uh, there's lots of opportunities, but I don't want to give up the cockpit. Mm. So we made the decision to, to get out of uh, the airline or out of the military at that time. There was some options available to me and um, started looking for a career in the commercial world. Yeah. And how different is flying a commercial plane to the military in terms of the atmosphere of it? I think the biggest part of it is, um, you know, when you're flying a military jet, especially if you're flying a crew jet, everybody knows that, you know, you're there flying airplanes, you got a mission to do. The mission mm-hmm. is, is number one. You know, if it gets a little rough, it gets a little rough. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. You you yeah. get the mission done because that's the most important thing. Uh, and safety is very important in the military also. Don't get me wrong. But when you move to the commercial world, especially when you're flying, you know, 150, 300, 350 people, uh, one, their safety is always number one and the, the safety of the airplane, the safety of the crew, the safety of the passengers, but also comfort. Mm. And in the military, yeah, it was nice to be comfortable flying, but it didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, make sure that you stay away from turbulence if you can with a commercial world. Make sure everybody feels comfortable and confident in, mm. in you in the back of the airplane. So it, it, it's a big switch. Yeah. And then also, you know, there, then you throw into, okay, it's a business. Yeah. And, you know, as, especially as you move to the left seat, you move into the captain world, you know, you're, you're looking at, can I save money? Can I um, save fuel? Can I take care of the passengers? Can I act and, and be with the passengers? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's in a way that they're going to come back because that's the livelihood. Yeah. That's the mission, the, the passengers, where in the military, the mission was um, sometimes uh, launching missile missiles from a, a airborne airplane. Other times it was communications uh, and that was the most important thing. Yeah. And how do you actually move to the left seats? How do you become a captain? There's many things involved with it. Um, one, and everybody's different, and that's what I love about the the uh, the airline world. Uh, first of all, you, you've got to have enough time in the airplane. Yeah. And so you, you've got to have some right seat time. And right seat time is really important because you learn the way of the airline. You learn the way of working together as a crew. Yeah. Um, but then there also has to be seats available. So for for sometimes when I first got hired at American, they told us it was going to be 17 to 20 years before we would move from the right seat to the left seat, just because of attrition and how long it would take for those seats to be to to come available. Mm. Um, Other times right now, there's people moving from the right seat to the left seat in in just a couple of years because there there's a bit of a pilot shortage right now. But it, it's getting when by the time you get to a, a major airline, you are pretty well versed at being a pilot. Yeah. You're pretty well versed at flying airplanes. Um, you know, it, once again, as with the shortage, there's not as much experience coming in. But I, I, the the biggest advantage and and why I think it's important for people to get that right seat time is to learn all the other things. Yeah. Because um, as an instructor, I'll tell you that our 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 brain, when we're learning how to fly or we're learning a new airplane, our brain concentrates on that, and a lot of the the necessity of the job kind of goes peripheral. So it's, you know, your, your concentration is short-term memory and your long-term memory is kind of off in the distance. So when, if you can develop in the right seat, the ability to know how to make decisions, who can help you make decisions, what's the best decisions to make in, in given situations. Now, now you can feel comfortable in flying a new airplane or working with a new person from a place of you, you're solid in making all the other decisions that are required of an airline pilot. Yeah, absolutely. Now, because you flew in the Airbus A320, I've got a particular question. Some people call this sound a dog bark. It sounds a bit like a saw as well. And you mainly hear it when you're perhaps at the gate or taxiing. So what is that in simple terms? In simple terms, 
there's many of the parts of the airplane are run by hydraulic systems. Mm. So hydraulic pressure helps you put the flaps down. Hydraulic pressure helps you drop the gear. So there are hydraulic systems uh, on the Airbus 320. There's three hydraulic systems. They call it green, yellow, and blue. Those hydraulic systems run different things, but they're also, and and we want this in our airplanes, they're redundant also. Mm. So um, uh, the green system can help run yellow system parts. The, the, the flaps, the wings, the, the thing type of thing. So because we want redundancy, we want to make sure if we lose one system, another system can pick it up. Mm. Between the two major hydraulic systems is what they call a PTU. It, it, it's really kind of like a power takeoff uh, <laughs> that you would see on a tractor. So if let's say the pressure on one side goes low, that pump kicks in and the the pressure from the other side helps run the equipment on on the other side so what you're hearing is when the when the airplane comes in what did i say the captain wants to save fuel right yeah so to save fuel the captain shuts one of the engines down uh-huh. and now he's taxiing in on one engine you don't need two engines to taxi around the airport yeah. so he shuts one engine down now that hydraulic system that was run by the engine that you shut down is no longer producing all this pressure. So this PTU, this power takeoff unit, picks up the power from the engine that's running and you hear the that's that pump putting pressure in the other side. It's quite a good impression, actually. (laughs) I guess you would have heard it a lot over your... And I've ridden in the back of a 320 a lot too, so... But but that's what that's all that's happening. That that pump is trying to provide pressure to the other side. Yeah, and then what's the reason for? Sometimes it can speed up a bit, and sometimes it lasts longer than other times, right? Well, it it depends on the demand mm. on the system. So let's say uh, you you come to the gate, right? Yeah. And and you hear the roo and then they start opening the cargo doors. Well, the cargo doors take hydraulic pressure. Yeah. So now there's a demand on the side and now the pump runs faster. Yeah. So that's why it goes faster. Aha, uh-huh. I see. Now, what would you say is the biggest misconception about being a pilot? Well, it's not as glamorous as they show on TV for sure. Yeah. Um, you're away from home. What? You're you're in a different bed, 15, 16 nights a month. Yeah. You're you're on the road. Um, what what you don't see of an airline pilot is um, there's flight planning that happens before a flight. Yeah. There's debriefing that happens after a flight. You may sit, uh, and we all experience this as a passenger. You might have to sit in in the airport for two hours or three hours waiting for your next flight. Same thing for pilots. So, um, you know, a, a pilot's day might be 12, 13 hours. And and it's it's not that glamorous. Fly one flight, go to the bar, mm. you know, have all the people admire you because you're a pilot. Yeah. So there's definitely a misconception there. It, it's it's a hard job. It, it's a sometimes it can be a tedious job if you're flying for for long flights and everything is going well. You're you're listening to the radio, so it can be a tedious job. And and I'll be honest with you, Toby, for when when I'm excited about flying airplanes, things are going wrong. (laughs) 
<laughs> because that that means you know I, I'm being a pilot. I'm using all my skills. I'm using all my training. So yeah. if the weather's bad and there's snow blowing across the runway, that's exciting for me because I I, I get to concentrate and I get to be a a, a good pilot. So um, I think those are the big ones. It's it's not the glamour job that you think, and it's not necessarily. Um, sometimes it can it can be a boring job, and then the other side of it is it can be so exciting that your adrenaline is sky high, quite literally. And <laughs> you have to sort of prepare for the worst, don't you? All bad things that could happen, you know exactly what you're gonna do, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, for the the majors in the U.S., I can't speak for the entire world, but mm. the majors in the U.S. pilots go to a simulator every nine months. And and they practice losing engines on takeoff. They practice bird strikes. They practice um, things happening in the back of the airplane. Um, When I was training and I would be one of those instructors that the the crews would come back, they would get one takeoff with two engines. And after they took off with two engines running, they probably only had one engine the whole four hours that they were in the sim after that. And they practiced losing engines on the uh, engine failures on the runway. They practiced engine failures in the air. They practiced landing with one engine. They practiced putting fires out. They practiced all kinds of things. So you, you work and you study and you practice constantly to be ready for something that might happen hoping that it never does yeah is there some stuff though that you maybe can't practice well i'll be honest with you the only things that you can't practice usually are the things that have never happened before Mm. (laughs) and then and then once they've happened they find a way to program them into the simulators so Mm -hmm. then you can practice them um that's the the thing I love about aviation as a whole. You're constantly learning from what is happening. Yeah. So if somebody if somebody makes a mistake, an airplane breaks in a way that never would have been expected before, you learn about those. You talk yeah. about them. You, you, we call it hangar flying. You take this information that somebody else has experienced. And okay, how would I handle that that situation? What would I have done different? Um, what would I have? What should I have done? And you just constantly learn and grow. So that's why it's such a very safety oriented occupation. Yeah, that's the thing. I suppose every time an accident happens, rather ironically, it actually makes flying a lot safer. Yes, for for sure. And and you can look at the safety record and see that that would be like you you ask a question of me and it didn't go so well yeah you don't go sit down with a bunch of other podcasters and say wow how could i have asked that question better or how (laughs) what was a a better way to take this guess and and sometimes if you think about it everything would be better as a whole if we did that yeah that's true now is it too bad to not turn your phone off is there any scientific evidence behind it well there there has been evidence of equipment being affected yeah and it's really bad right now with the 5g world the 5g world it has actually created more problems yeah. um, i i know i've i've read a couple things i still stay up on on the commercial world i've read a few things where pilots have had instruments show faulty information um, we have an, in, uh, a, 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 it's, it's called a, 
uh, an altimeter, but it's an altimeter that tells you how high you are above the ground. And they've had some problems with that with 5G. So, um, you know, that that's part of it. And then if you think about it, our job is to keep you safe yeah. and to keep you safe at, 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 in all ways. So one of the things about cell phones is, you know, what if, and is it really important to have your phone on in that time frame when you're shooting a low visibility approach? And if there is a blurb, here you are 100 feet above the ground and you lose the instruments that are helping you see the runway and helping you land, it's probably not a good thing. Mm. But then also on the other side of it, with an airplane, if, if you have a crash and there's a fire, that airplane can burn up in seconds. Yeah. It's, it's not burning up over, okay, you're going to have a half hour to get out of the airplane. There's, there's been accidents where airplanes burn up in a minute and a half. Mm. So do you want a whole bunch of people worrying about calling their loved ones or taking pictures mm. when the name of the game is to get them out of that tube before it catches on fire? Yeah, so that's yeah. another reason why it's better to to not have the cell phones out at a time when it's safe, because I don't want to scare anybody here. But if there ever was an accident, you don't have a whole lot of time to get out of that airplane. Yeah. And and as the captain, I'm the last one out. <laughs> so I want you out of the airplane <laughs> fast. Yeah. There's a lot of planes these days that have Wi-Fi on them, aren't there? How does that work? Because I'm assuming that doesn't interfere if they've allowed it. No, it's, it's the satellite world. Yeah. So um, it, it's going right to that piece of equipment equipment there there's not um phone waves going out if you will mm. and phone waves coming in so so that effect it goes right straight to the the satellite antenna on top of the airplane and then yeah. and then provides the wi-fi but also you have to put your computers away at ten thousand feet right yeah why because that's the most dangerous part of the flight up to ten thousand and below ten thousand because you're close to the ground and you may have to get out of the airplane in a hurry yeah and the wind windows have to be open and tray tables stored away i guess that's sort of for obvious reasons right mm-hmm. yeah it's all safety right yeah if the tables are down somebody might get stuck in their row yeah. um why do you have to have the window shades open so you can see and the crew can see is there a fire outside your window if you have to get out of the airplane because if there's a fire out there i don't want you to go out on the left wing if the left engine's on fire yeah so it's all about being aware it's all safety related and and not that we're worried about that engine being on fire but if it is on fire how can i take care of you how can i make sure you're the safest i can keep yes well as well as being a former pilot you're also doing speaking and teaching and writing and things aren't you and of course you've got the podcast so tell us a little bit about that if you can well we've got a business called imagine miracles and um, i shared with you earlier toby that i had two passions yeah. And those two passions called to me to, to make the difference that I'm supposed to make in the world. And I believe each and every one of us are, are here to make a specific difference in the world. And what I realized was that 
through a lot of my life, I'm 63 years old now. I know I don't look it. <laughs> I, I am 63 right now. For for the first 50 years of my life, I pretty much followed everybody else's rules mm. and did what I was supposed to do to be a man and what looked successful and what was successful. And what I realized was that I had my own set of rules. And if I could follow my own set of rules, and live the life that I was supposed to live, I would be much happier and I would be more helpful to people. So what I've done is I've taken that understanding and I want to help people find out who they are. I want to find out, you know, why are you here? So you can find um, excitement and joy and satisfaction and fulfillment in whatever you do in your life, because you know, you're making that difference that you're meant to make. So that's what Imagine Miracles is all about. We've got programs that we built. We do Zoom training. We do online training, but I just, I'm here to help people. Yeah. I mean, I'm here for you to see yourself. I, I'm here to keep you safe as you get to where you want to go. So I did that in an airplane and, yeah. and now I'm doing it in my business. I want to keep you safe so you can find yourself and start living that life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where can we find all that and keep up to date with you everywhere? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll make it real easy for everyone. If you go to imaginemiracles.com forward slash Toby. Uh-huh. There'll be a, a page there um, for the first 10 people who are interested in, in just sitting down and chatting with me. I'll have a 20 to 30 minute chat with you for the first 10 people from your show. But uh, there'll be some information on the book that we're publishing in June called Moments of Choice and just opportunities to to learn about some of our programs, some of the books I've written and to really step into fully who they are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, many thanks for joining us here. It's been great talking to you today. Thank you, Toby. I enjoyed being here. And thanks for giving me an opportunity to share something that I'm so passionate about. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Throbbing Pulse of Sound, the Toby Gribben Show.